Aren't you so glad that God brought DeAndre to our church? Thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful to work alongside him and we get to, to, to work together for God's kingdom. Uh, good morning, my name's Jan. For those of you who don't know me, uh, and we're so glad that you're here with us this morning on the very last Sunday of the decade. 2019, and uh, uh, we have, if you've been here a while, you know that we have this tradition where on the last Sunday of the year, we do something called the top 10 mistakes. And it started several years ago with Alan sharing his top 10 mistakes of the year, and then a couple years ago, we decided we wanted to give other people opportunity to join the fun in sharing their mistakes. And so we've had people from inside our congregation and the staff come up and share as well. And so today we have some staff that are each going to be sharing a couple of their mistakes. I'll be doing a couple. And then we have Greg Battle and Kimberly Tussing and Dwayne Boyette and, of course, Alan sharing a couple as well. Now, you might be wondering why, Jan, why are we doing this instead of studying some scripture like we normally do? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, we believe we learn more from our failures than our victories. And so we think it's important to take some time to reflect and look back at some of our failures and be honest about them. Number two, we hope that in sharing our mistakes in a public way, we help make Mountain Park a safe place for everyone to come and be honest about their own brokenness, their own struggles, their own sin as well, so that together we can invite Jesus in to transform us. And so uh, we're each going to take a couple mistakes. I'm going to kick us off. And as we jump in, I just want you to know we may change uh, some names or details to protect the innocent, of which none of us are, so we will use our names quite freely. Uh, so we'll kick off with mistake number 10. For me, mistake number 10 was listening, not listening to my kids. Listening, not listening to my kids. Kind of like sorry, not sorry. Right? So um, a while back, I did a message on a, a passage from the book of James that says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And in that message, I talked about how real listening isn't just hearing the words that someone is speaking. It's actually entering into their perspective so that we can love them better. And so I've been convicted of that and trying to do that, but I've struggled with it in places with my kids in particular. And so, for example, this week, as I was getting ready to share some mistakes, I decided I would ask for my kids' input because who knows my mistakes better than my own children, right? And I like to do this, give my kids a fair chance to speak into my life. And so I talked to each of them. And one time I got three of them together and I said, hey, I'm going to sharing some mistakes. Are there any mistakes you can think of that maybe I should consider sharing? And one of my kids spoke up, God bless his soul, and said, I can't think of a single mistake you've done, Dad. <laughs> and I thought, you poor deluded child. But then very quickly, another one piped up and said, yelling. And then the other one said, yes, yelling. And so since I want to be a good listener, I say, please tell me more about this. So they start telling me. And because I want to really understand their experience, I ask more questions like, what do you mean by yelling? How do you define yelling? Is yelling defined by volume or is yelling really just correcting a behavior? And how often does this happen? And can you give me a specific example? And in that example, was I really yelling or was I just giving an appropriate response to an incorrect behavior? <laughs> I think you can see where this is going. By the end of the conversation, I had convinced myself and probably them that I had really not made any mistakes. It was really their own narrow-minded, warped perspective that made them think that of me. And along the way, I completely dismissed the very feedback that I had asked them for. 
And it's okay sometimes as parents, our part of our job, part of my job is to help my kids see the big picture. That's okay. But I also know that as an adult, I can rationalize away any criticism my kids might ever give me. And when I do that, instead of entering into their experience, I'm belittling their experience. And instead of loving them, I'm just protecting myself. So that was uh, mistake number 10, listening, not listening. Mistake number nine was forgetting who the real enemy is. And so there's this passage in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in the Bible in, in uh, chapter six, where it says our battle as believers is not against flesh and blood, not against other people, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And a while back, Alan talked about how we have a spiritual enemy who is trying to disrupt our ability to love God and disrupt our ability to love other people. And that's his whole goal. And I know this, but sometimes I forget it especially in conflict. So recently, there was a, a friend of mine who lives in a different state who was posting on social media and complaining about church. And specifically, she was pointing out that, that churches, when they do special services like Easter or Christmas Eve, they often don't have time, services at times she can attend. But she was being a little bit snarky. So what she said was, apparently churches don't realize that some people have to work. And so they, or if they do know that, they don't care because they don't bother having services in the evening when I can attend them. So as someone who spent a lot of time working in churches, I responded and said, hey, I totally understand your frustration. I'm sorry about that. The church I work for, actually, we do a 630 service for people who worked in the day so they can attend. But you might want to be aware that there's a lot that goes into these decisions, that when a, a, a church is doing five, six services a day, it puts a lot of strain on the staff and on the volunteers and strain on their marriages and strain on their kids. And all that goes in, into thinking through these decisions. To which she responded, sometimes I have to work 12 hours a day. It's part of the job. Stop complaining. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's how I took it. And I'm thinking in my head, I, I'm not complaining. I, I'm actually doing the 630 service. We're, I'm actually, we're actually doing it. I'm just helping you understand that it does present some challenges. And then she went on to say, you're just getting this whole church thing backwards. You think it's all about you. You think it's about the staff. Church is not about the staff. It's about the people in the community and serving them. So stop being so ungodly and selfish, you big jerk face. Again, my interpretation of her words. And... Uh, and just shut up and do the service, right? And so uh, I, I then recognized where my emotions were and said, I'm taking this personally. I should not respond anymore. And then I promptly deleted her from my friends and unfriended <laughs> her altogether. Now, I have never done that. I've never unfriended someone on social media, ever. It's not for conflict. The only time I've unfriended someone is when I, I look at the name like, I don't even remember who you are. <laughs> and then I get, but, but I've never done that. Why? Why did I do it this time? because I forgot who the real enemy was. I forgot there was an enemy who was actually trying to do exactly that and disrupt my ability to love her well. And I treated her like the enemy, even though she really wasn't. And as I look back on 2019, look at where were the conflicts that got out of hand? In every case, it was because I forgot there was an enemy who was trying to disrupt my love for that person. And I mistook them for the enemy when they really weren't. So that's my mistake number nine. I want to introduce Greg to share his mistakes now. Hello, everyone. <laughs> my name is Greg Battle, and I'm a part of the adult ministries team. And so um, mistake number eight for me, the rooster reminder, rooster reminder. Sunday is a work day for, for many of us here on staff. It's not unusual for, for me and others to work to three and five o'clock. 
And so uh, that's just what we do. My, my Sabbath day is a Friday and, and Saturday. And so that's when I, I sort of relax and take back, kick back. And so, but this particular Sunday, um, I had it in my mind to do what many of you do on, on Sunday, Sunday, and that is uh, go watch some football, fall asleep on the couch, and just remind people not to turn on TV when you're sleeping. And so, uh, so that was in my mind. I received a, um, a, uh, a text uh, mid-morning that, that Sunday morning, and it was a distress call, a distress call. And um, it wasn't a life-threatening um, uh, email, but it was a life-altering email. And I thought to myself, I have plans, <laughs> and uh, I really don't want to do this. I said that to myself. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I usually don't do those things. I usually muster up, you know, some energy, and I think about the goodness that will come from this, and I turn my, my attitude around, and I, I go take care of this. For this particular reason, I don't, I don't know why, but I just couldn't change my mind. I couldn't change my mind. Well, um, that, the task that I had to do was uh, around 3 o'clock that afternoon, and so I begrudgingly did the task. And all the while, I was just thinking about, about Peter and what he had said to Jesus about um, never leaving him. And, and as, as some of you may know, that uh, the rooster crowed on the third, on the third uh, denial of, um, of, uh, of Christ. And for me, the rooster was crowing. However, I was like this. I don't hear it. I couldn't hear it. I didn't hear it. You know, Many of us drop the ball, and I have dropped the ball many times, but with good intentions, and so you can feel good about yourself. For this particular um, instance, I dropped the ball knowingly, and I felt good about it. And so that was a mistake number eight for me. Next one. Um, DYI is my DYI marathon. How many of you guys watch HGTV? HGTV. Raise your hand. I know there's a lot of you. I know there's a lot of you behind football, Shark Tank, and um, and, and uh, um, those those shows. I, I I that's what I watch. I don't watch very much TV, but when I do watch TV, that's that's what I watch. I watch. Ask my wife, and um, and couple that with uh, always wanting to build my own house. I wanted to build my own house, and and not from the ground up. Although I would educate that that. That, that idea, if it was presented to me, but uh, I wanted to say, hey, my, my master bedroom goes there, and my, my, my kitchen goes there. I just wanted to do that. It's been a, a lifelong goal for myself, and so, well, life moves along, and I met my beautiful wife, and we, we got married, and we wanted to have a big family. We both wanted to have five kids. We ended up with four amazing boys, and so um, just a little bit of history about uh, um, uh, Anna and myself were growing up. Anna grew up in a two-bedroom house, and there was seven of them, uh, five siblings and uh, uh, the parents. I grew up in a three-bedroom house, and there were seven of us. My mom was divorced, and, and so there was eight of us in the house. And my mom's rule was this. Um, she had a bedroom, and whoever was the oldest in the family got the bedroom. And so um, all five of us slept in one bedroom. And I'm six of seven. So I never reaped the benefits of having my own bedroom. It wasn't a big deal when I got to that point. So, you know, it really didn't matter to me. Anyhow, uh, we didn't want our boys to go through that. And so you know, every time we bought a house, uh, we bought a, a large house. We bought a large house. Once again, life moves on, life moves on. And then, 
you know, we find ourselves in a 4,200 square foot house, six bedrooms, and just huge houses, just the two of us. We don't even see the other house, other part of the house. And so it was time for us to down, downsize. And I thought to myself, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to build my house. And so we had purchased a, another house uh, some time ago, and so we moved into that. Um, and so November 2018, we moved out of the house with aspirations, aspirations to move back in in March 2019. My son was going to have a wedding in May, so we were going to host a lot of people, and we needed to get that house done. August rose around, <laughs> August 2019, and we were staying with one of our boys, and uh, thank, thank goodness for him, uh, we, we stayed there for almost nine months in his house, and it was just time for us to leave. Uh, he was very good about it, but it was time for us to leave. So we moved out of the house, we moved out of the house uh, only having a bathroom. We just had a toilet. We moved into the house in a couple weeks, so we were really pushed to, to do some things. And so, um, but all this time, my wife was pushing me to ask for help, ask for help. But my pride got in the way. I just wanted to say, I did this. My pride got in the way. I just wanted to do this. I wanted to tell, and I've told many of you that I built my own house which was not actually true because uh, we did all the demo. I'm not skilled enough to do some of the actual skilled work. So I did maybe 30% of the skilled work, and I didn't touch any of the electrical. So we, we probably did about 60% about, uh, of the work. But the story behind it is that my wife kept pushing me, ask somebody for some help, ask somebody for some help. And I had to know this because I'm in outreach, and I know that is a blessing to others that we ask, entrusting them with your journey. And so um, um, if we do this again, I will be sure to bless you and ask you to help. <laughs> We're going to bring Kimberly up, and uh, she's going to share. Hi, I'm Kimberly. I am now a part of the adult ministries team, but for the majority of this year, I worked uh, as the children's ministry pastor on this church. And so uh, if you've been around for a while, you may have heard of this week in June that we call best week ever. And best week ever is what I would call a VBS on steroids. We're talking over 250 kids and there's water slides and bungee bounces and we had a zip line and tie-dye and Bible story skits and all kinds of things going all on all over the building. And so uh, we had done this uh, week for a number of years, but this year was a little bit different because in the past we had uh, partnered with an outside ministry and this year we decided for a number of reasons to just bring it in-house and do it on our own. Now, that's not where the mistake happened. You see, this week was uh, coming at us like a freight train, and I felt pretty good. I had my list of things that we needed to get done and all the supplies, and I had people who were taking on some different tasks throughout the week, and I had people signed up to come be with the kids, which most important part there. Um, but then the first day came, and I realized suddenly where my mistake was. You see, the first day is there, and all of a sudden, I need to be in, like, five places at one time. And there's all these things that only I had the answer to. And uh, to give you a little bit of kind of what I was feeling in this, my normal uh, step count, my watch tells me on a work day, I'm at about 4,500. I know that's bad. I sit in a lot of meetings, and then I go home. My second job is taxi driver for my kids, so... That's a mistake I'll work on next year, but nonetheless, at the end of this day, I was at about 19,000. 
and I was exhausted. And not just physically, but I was mentally and emotionally exhausted because I could feel the weight of how I had, I had let people down. And maybe they didn't realize it, but I did because I didn't invite enough people into the planning process for the week. I know that we're a busy community and there's so much going on with, with school and homework and our work and getting our kids to, shuttling them to activities and trying to watch their games and getting dinner on the table. And so sometimes I just, I feel really bad asking someone else to put something else on their plate, another chore. But see, that's where the mistake, my mistake was in my frame of mind that I didn't realize I could have been, I was inviting, it was an opportunity to invite people into something that actually they might have wanted to be a part of, they might have loved, and that maybe God had uniquely wired them uh, to speak into. And because I made the decision for them, the week wasn't, I knew it wasn't what it could have been. And there were people who could have been invited into planning something that was truly amazing. I mean, to, to see the kids out laughing and, and on the bungee bounce and, and making these awesome tie-dye shirts and their little voices, you know, praising God. And, and I denied some the opportunity to be a part of that week. So. Mistake number five, I didn't listen to good advice. So earlier this year, my daughter um, was invited to go back east for a week and, and visit my sister, and she's 15 now, so my husband and I decided that it would be okay for her to make that plane trip alone. Now, something to know about me is I'm not a fan of flying at all. Um, I have a little bit of control issues. I can't see what's going on in the cockpit. I haven't seen how they're maintaining the plane. Maybe I have some trust issues too, but anyhow... Uh, I'm not a fan, but I don't like that I don't like flying. I know that it holds me back, and I am really trying to be intentional in not passing that fear on to my kids. And so I was doing well as this week is approaching and, and not thinking about it, and we get her to the airport, and I hold it together until she gets onto the plane, and then I fall apart for just a minute, and then I get it back together, and my husband and I head to the car uh, to head out, and I do what I feel like any good mother would do. I pull out my phone, and I find a tracking app, and I make sure she's safely in the air. And this one's awesome because it has a graph of the altitude of the plane. <laughs> and so I noticed that um, before I logged on, there was kind of a drop, and I was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't actually see that. Um, and then I continue to watch, and I come into the office, and I'm sitting in our family team meeting, and I'm just watching and everybody is looking at me like, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, they're not accurate. It's not healthy. You just, she'll be fine. And I just continue to watch. And she lands safely and everything's good. And we go on with our week. And so fast forward a week, it's time for her to come home. Now, this day happens to be in the middle of best week ever, which I've already told you, not in the best frame of mind. <laughs> and so... Um, I'm going about my day and I realize, oh, she's probably been in the air for should be about 25 minutes. I should look and see how the plane is doing. Yeah, I should do that. And I'll just put my mind to rest and go with on my day. And so um, I'm out in the lobby there. There's people everywhere. I have my computer and I open it up and I look at the app and visualize with me. I see this and, doop, and a little plane circling down at the bottom. And I'm just staring at it. I can't say anything. There's people everywhere and I'm just staring and like willing the screen to show me something else. And so finally, Jessica, if you know her, she works with me in children's ministry. She is amazing in a crisis situation. She stays super calm and she finally notices and she looks, what's, what's wrong? And again, I can't say anything. I just turn the computer and she looks at it and I can tell it takes a minute for it to register what she's looking at and she looks at it and she looks at me and she says, I know this is a glitch, 
You just need to go what you need to do. I'll watch it, and I'll let you know when there's an update. And I, I knew this was good advice, and so I took this, and I did. And then a few minutes later, sure enough, she comes back to me and says, it was a glitch. It corrected itself. It's fine. And in that moment, I understood Eve a little bit better. I understood I had been given really good advice, but I thought that I knew better. And, and, I under, and she was given great advice. She was told, don't eat from it. But in that moment, temptation strikes, and you think you know better. I'm just personally really happy that thousands of years, I'm pretty sure people aren't going to be, like, cursing my name because I looked at an app. Um, but I do hope that the next time I'm tempted to not take what I know is good advice, that I'll remember this story. Well, my name is Dwayne, and I'm one of the adult ministries pastors here at Mountain Park, and uh, enjoy doing that. And a couple of mistakes. The first one I'm going to share with you is, is a mistake called I Doubt It. And uh, I need to preface this by starting it. It won't make sense at first, but it will later. But I am a, I am a big Star Trek fan. Any Trekkies out there? That's more than the Star Wars fans last week, Alan. Anyway, I, I love Star Trek, love the shows, love the movies, but I'm not the guy that dresses up and goes to Comic-Con, okay? So not, not crazy, that crazy. But anyway, um, this has uh, been a very much of a transition year uh, for my wife Sherry and I. And if any of you have ever been in transition, you understand that it, it can be difficult at times. Whether you're transitioning into a new job or maybe a new school or you, you got a new house or you're moving or maybe your kids are transitioning into college. Transition can be hard because in the midst of transition, as you know, the, the familiar starts to become unfamiliar and, and new things come in and change uh, can be difficult. And, and I think most of us can relate to that. And so uh, this year, as I said, it was a transition year for Sherry and I. We had both been sensing that God was uh, leading us toward a new uh, ministry opportunity in this next season of ministry. And so we began to pray about that. And earlier this year, we began to, we began to uh, led us to applying for the position uh, that I have now here at Mountain Park uh, for, for the adult ministries pastor. And uh, that process began in, in early April. And uh, once that process began and, and interviews started, uh, Sherry and I decided, you know what, we should probably um, uh, check this church out and, and make sure it's a place that we feel where God could use us. Because the one thing, as a, as a pastor, when you hire on as a church, it's not just a job. You're bringing your family with you. You're, you're starting a new church. And any of you that have ever moved and had to find a new church, you know that can be a challenge to find the right one. And so we came out, and after a couple of weeks of hanging out here and, and being apart, uh, we both looked at each other and were convinced this is where God is leading us. This is the church for us. This is where we feel welcome. We felt like this is a place where we could serve. And so we uh, continued to, to attend while we were in the process, uh, the interview process here. And uh, that went along just fine. Well, the mistake I made was about seven, eight weeks into this process, even though we were both convinced, I began to have some doubts. I don't know if any of you ever doubted God. Any doubters in there? Just me? Okay. Well, a couple of you. Um, sometimes it's easy to doubt. Where it's like, God, God, do you really love me? God, is this really what you want me to do? And then those doubts can creep up. Well, that's what happened to me. That's the mistake uh, that I made. And so in the midst of that doubt, um, I began to um, say, well, I better, I better check something else out. I better try something else out. And the problem with doubt is that doubt uh, begins to disassemble trust in any relationship. And when trust begins to disassemble, the joy in that relationship goes away. And that's where I found myself uh, for several weeks uh, as I was doubting what I knew that God wanted me to do. 
And so God, um, however, loves us, amen? And he loves to uh, affirm us, and he loves to restore us. And uh, the way that God did that and helped me through this mistake was that uh, there was a Sunday in the middle of summer. I don't remember which Sunday it was. This was a few weeks into this doubting deal that I was going through. And my wife and I came in, and uh, we sat down right there in the top row in the, in the skyboxes. Skybox peeps? There they are. Up there, and um, we came in, we, we sat through the worship, and then right after the worship, the lights, you know, come on, and um, Pastor Allen steps on the stage, and lo and behold, he's wearing a full-on Captain Kirk uniform. <laughs> and my eyes got about this big, and I look at my wife, and literally, it's like God slapped me on the head, and I felt my hand going up, and I was like, Lord <laughs> Almighty, I repent. I will never doubt you again. These are my peeps. This is where you've called me. Hallelujah. And it's how God restored me. And Alan, I got to make a confession in front of all these folks. I don't remember a word you said in that message. <laughs> but I'll never forget that message. So that's one of the mistakes that I made this year. A second mistake is a much more recent mistake. And it's called choosing or, or listening to the wrong voice. Um, about a month ago, actually the first Sunday in December, my wife Sherry and I had tickets to go see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And uh, we love seeing the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. It's, it's become part of our Christmas uh, tradition and we love going to it. And so uh, it was on a Sunday, three o'clock show. So right after church here, we, we got in the car and headed out to, to Westgate on the west side and that's the Gila River Arena, and uh, we got out there and uh, the Cardinals were playing, so we had a little traffic to navigate, but we got parking. And uh, we got there, and we had about 45 minutes before the, the doors opened, so we decided just to walk around. If you've ever been out there, it's a beautiful area to walk around. they got the big Christmas tree and the skate rink and all that. And so we got some ice cream, and it was a beautiful day. We sat down and had some ice cream, had a great conversation. It was just a chill afternoon. It was beautiful. Well, it gets to about 2 o'clock, and I say, well, let's, let's go head into the, to the arena. So we walk through the plaza and, and get within eyesight of the arena, and I'm walking towards it, and all of a sudden I noticed something, and I stopped, and I said, that's odd. And Sherry looked at me, she said, what? I said, there's nobody lined up at the doors. All of a sudden I had this panic moment, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? Do I have the wrong date? And so I pull my phone out, and I look at the tickets, and, and no, it's, this is the day. And... Uh, this is where we were last year and the year before. And then, and then I, I look closely. It's not at Gila River Arena this year. It's at Togestick, Talking Stick Arena, where the Phoenix Suns play. That's a bonus mistake. Well, that's not even the one that matters in this mistake. But anyway, so now I'm in full panic mode. And I realize the chill in the afternoon is gone. Now, um, there's two of us. And we are, I'm going to call it a brisk walk back to the car. Now it's like, I got to figure this out. We got we to go. Let's go, girl. And we start going. I'm dragging her along all the way back to the car. We get into the car, and uh, now I'm, I pull my phone out right away, and I open up my Google Maps, and I'm trying to drive out of the parking lot and put in the address, and, and you, you can imagine the panic there. Now, my, my wonderful wife, she just kind of very calm, and she, she pulls out her phone, opens up her Apple Maps, and she says this. She says, honey, why don't you just concentrate on driving and I'll navigate? That's a good woman right there. <laughs> to which I think I grunted or something like that. So I turn out onto the main road. Now, right after I turn on the main road, she looks at me and she says, um, the next intersection, you need to turn left. 
Right about that time, I heard another voice that said something like this. In one half mile, turn right. <laughs> Guys, what do you think I did? <laughs> I, I went past the first intersection and went up one half mile and turned right. The mistake I made is that I listened to the wrong voice. Now, I knew that, I don't, I don't know why Google and Apple can't get their maps straight, but why they're not on the same page. I knew that both of them were going to get me to wherever we were going. And my wife was being very kind and, and trying to help out and gave me directions, and I chose not to listen to her voice. I devalued her in that moment, and that was the mistake that I made. And um, what I realized is that um, for, the next, for the rest of the trip, there was only one voice. Because she called, there was, no, there was no cussing, yelling, or screaming, at least none that I could hear, but she just closed her phone up, and I, I heard that nice English accent all the way to the arena. And uh, it, was, it was a mistake that I made in, in, in devaluing her. And, and uh, the, the, the lesson I learned there is, you know, um, God has a voice for us in his word that he gives us every day that he wants us to follow. But there's all kinds of competition um, of other voices that are coming our way. And, and choosing the right voice matters. Listening to the right voice uh, matters. There's a great verse I'll leave you with in Psalm 119, verse 35, where the, the psalmist says, um, direct me in the path of your commands, and there I find delight. Folks, there's delight in listening and choosing to listen to the right voice, and uh, don't make that same mistake that I made. So a uh, thank you to these guys for coming up and uh, sharing some mistakes. I like to go last because I get to watch the time and it, it looks like we're out of it uh, <laughs> for this morning. So, uh, okay, I'll go real quick. Uh, I'll do the last uh, couple uh, mistakes here. Uh, mistake number two is that I used prayer as a last resort. And uh, when am I going to learn? One of the driving questions for me over the past number of years as a pastor here is on the process of discipleship, a driving question is, what if we only had three years with someone, with anyone, with, with you? What if we only had three years? Instead of kind of a shotgun approach to discipleship, what if we only had three years? What would we want to make sure that we covered, that we talked about, that we addressed in terms of discipleship? Very excited about this process, which led us to a three-year journey that started in August of this year with the, with the, uh, with the part orange uh, journal that we handed out that we've been uh, using here for the fall. So we began, you may not know it, but we began a three-year journey. Now in March of this year, I had set aside a week to, to walk out the flow of this three-year journey. And I was excited about this week. I had literally over 100 pages of notes from various sources that I had been uh, working on and was excited about kind of walking this all out. And I, I set aside Wednesday and Thursday for the process of breaking this down into a three-year journey with, with all of this. What would we want to cover over a three-year journey? Well, I was uh, working Wednesday, all day Wednesday, all day Thursday. It got to Thursday at 4.30 p.m., and I had 
Zero. I had zilch. I had no plan. I had no clarity in terms of a flow for a three-year plan that, that was going to, I mean, this was a big deal for me, and so I was working on this. And I had lots of scribbles on pieces of paper. I had lots of arrows and lots of boxes, and lots of, but, but I didn't have any clarity on this. And then I had a crazy idea, 4.30 on Thursday afternoon. What about praying? What about praying over this whole journey? Now, this wasn't a panic prayer. It wasn't like I was at the wrong uh, uh, place for the, for the orchestra show. It wasn't, it wasn't a panic prayer. You know, I've had plenty of those in my life. It was actually a pretty, I, I remember basically just saying, God, you're probably snickering right now as I, as I bring this to you. I remember starting off my prayer that way, that you're probably thinking, Alan, it's my story. Don't you want to let me tell you how to tell it? And so, so then I just said, God, I just need your help. I just need your guidance here today. And I am not exaggerating. I prayed from about 4.30 to 4.45, and then the whole three-year journey was laid out by 5 p.m. I'm, it, just, it just came out that it was going to be structured under these, uh, these six themes. The, we looked at wisdom, and then we're going to look at growth, and then it's going to be joy, and, or it's going to be uh, purpose and joy and hope and connection. We're going to do that over the next three years. And I just really believe that God had provided this as a way to walk through his story. So excited about that. But when will I learn that prayer is not a last resort. It's not a Hail Mary when our own efforts don't get us where we want to go. So if there's something that you need in life that you're looking for, start with prayer. If, if, if you have a Goliath in your life and you're not all that great with a slingshot, start with prayer. Even if you're great at a slingshot, start with prayer. It's a beautiful reminder that God is very interested in all the details of our lives. So the last one I want to wrap up here, I, I used the platform to vent. And what I mean by the platform is this rectangle right here. I used this spot to vent. We did a series in June and July this year called The Church of Tomorrow, and we looked at the book of Acts. One of those Sundays, I talked about leadership. And on that, uh, on that Sunday, I, uh, I vented about my first year here in 2006 when I was a pastor. And, and I was just, there, the, the staff did not want me here. And they, made, they didn't want to have a leader. And they certainly didn't want, did not want me to be that leader. Now, this guy over here, Greg, was on staff. He was one of the staff at that point. And I had implied that Greg was one of those people, which he most certainly was not. Greg, from day one, has been an incredibly trustworthy friend and teammate from the very beginning of this journey. But what I did is I, is I took the opportunity to, to vent about, that, about that, uh, that season, that first year. We have a group of people that includes Jan and often my wife, who, who uh, after the 8 a.m. service on a Sunday morning, will meet with me and DeAndre, and we'll give feedback on things that, that should and be changed uh, about the service for the 9.30 service. And we had gathered, and they unanimously said that while I was complaining and whining, that they were wincing at the back. They were wincing, going, okay, Alan, that's just weird. And I just, just I'm, I'm not really going for wincing. That's not kind of the goal of a Sunday morning. But they were just wincing through the whole thing, like, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. And so, so we met, and... And this, see, this is a huge mistake, huge mistake for me to use this platform to, to vent. 
that a, a major filter uh, uh, for me as I, as I continue the, with the honor of doing my job is, is to ask myself, is this helpful for the kingdom? Anything that is said or done up here, is it helpful for the kingdom? Is it honoring to others? Is it honoring to God? That needs to be the filter. Now, I know few of you in here have the same job that I do, but you do have platforms in life that you do have your own platforms where you get to speak, whether that is at work or with your family or a group of friends or whatever. And that's a great filter for all of us. Is what I'm about to say helpful to the kingdom or not? That's not just for me up here. That's for us as we communicate with one another. Is this honoring to others? Is this honoring to God? And, and just one other side note on this final mistake is, like I said, this is, uh, is, we had a conversation after the 8 o'clock service, and we made changes for the 9.30 service. This is another reason that the 8 a.m. service is the best of all services. Because it really is. And I know some of you are 8 a.m. folks, and we had to, you know, we didn't do it this morning. But it is the best. Starting next week, 8 a.m. is back, and it is the best because it's the uncut, unfiltered, <laughs> Service and you never know what you're going to get at 8 a.m. It's a it's a party every Sunday. So um, as we wrap up here today, let me just remind you: th these are not the biggest mistakes, the two biggest mistakes that each of us have made this year. These are not. I mean, because I know even I mean, Dwayne, I know some doozies that Dwayne has made, <laughs> and and he has chosen not to share those. These are not the biggest two mistakes. But as Jan said, the reason we do this is that we often so we learn so much more from our mistakes, and that this is a safe place for us to talk about our mistakes because we all make them. We all make them. And in the beautiful words of Alfred, who said to Bruce Wayne, "Why do we fall?" So why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? And I would add to that, so we can learn to let others pick us up, to let others help us, so that we can learn to let God help us through those mistakes. What mistakes have you made in 2019 that perhaps you can learn from? What mistakes do you plan to avoid in 2020 by the grace of God and by a community around you that cares about you and wants to carry you when you need carrying. Let me pray with, uh, with, uh, with you, and then we'll finish up here uh, today. Father, I pray, um, I pray a, a thanksgiving for the grace that you offer, that we, we, just, we are just showered with mistakes, with with ways that we stumble into the same trenches over and over and over again, or we, we stumble into areas we know we shouldn't be stumbling into, and yet, yet you continue to offer us grace. Every one of us here in this room, we have mistakes that we've made that we, that we would rather not talk about. You know about it, God. You love us. Would you lead us and guide us into 2020? May we honor you and love others as we head into this new incredible year. Be with our church, be with our leaders, be with our community as we continue to pursue you. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. So thankful you came here this morning, and we'll see you next time.